This is the Getting Started podcast, a five-part interview series that looks to inform and inspire those looking to break into the creative industries. I'll be talking to experienced writers, journalists, actors, photographers and theatre directors. This week, I'll be talking to James Moran, a scriptwriter and filmmaker who has worked on some of the UK's biggest TV shows, including Doctor Who, Primeval, Spooks and Torchwood. He's also seen his work on the big screen with Severance, Tower Black and Cockney vs Zombies. I just really want to start with where are you coming from right now? Where about to your lockdown and has it changed the way you're working or any projects you're working on right now? Um, I'm, I'm locked down at home uh, with my wife and two and a half year old daughter. Um, I work at home anyway, so it hasn't really changed the way I do things at home. Um, but having having my partner and child at home all the time um, has I think the biggest the biggest change has been the amount of time we all spend making meals. Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, three full meals a day. Uh, it just it just feels like ninety percent of our of our day is making food. <laughs> I kind of get that. <laughs> I just we just kind of get we kind of get bored of it. Um, but you know we're luckier than most people. So we got we got a, we're in a, quite a big house. Uh, we've got a big garden. So. We've not we've not gone anywhere since the middle of March, so yeah. we've just been in the house in the garden. Um, so you know it's a good job it's it's nice weather. So um, but yeah, apart apart from that, it's pretty it's pretty much the same. Um, cats working from home. Um, the kids just does the kids stuff. So so I want to jump straight in. So um, you grew up in York. What was school like for you starting your creative journey with writing? Was it sort of helpful because of your school background or was it something that you had to go out yourself and look for things about writing for film specifically? Um, I, was, I was born in York but we, we mostly lived in, um, in Wiltshire when I, was, when I was growing up so I went to school there. Um, but yeah it was as far as I can remember, from from the age of three or four, I remember I wanted to write stories. I, I always thought I'll grow up and I'll write stories. I'll write books. Or I'll write something. Um, but there was there was never I never thought it would actually really happen because um, I didn't know any authors. I didn't know any writers. Um, I didn't know TV and movies had writers for a while. Um, and this was this is going to sound horrifying and ancient to everyone, um, but it was before the internet. So yeah. it was, I had I had no way of finding out anything about how to how to get into that. So I just thought I'd just be a hobby forever. Um, but I remember writing stories when I was three and four years old, um, and that that was always something I just wanted to spend all my time doing instead of schoolwork. Um, but most of the most of the teachers were pretty were pretty understanding about letting me have time to to write my my silly stories. Um, but yeah, it was just it was it was. An, we had a nice big library, so I just sort of cleared out the library. Um, my local library in the town, I pretty much emptied that out of all the kids' books, and then I asked if I could join the adult section of the library because um, I'd run out of kids' books, and I and my my reading had sort of advanced way beyond most kids my age. Um, so they had to have a chat with me and my mum to to make sure that. I wasn't going to go and get all the rude books, um, which I wasn't interested in, obviously, as a kid. Um, so yeah, so I so I 
thanks to them, I was, a, I was able to have a much bigger world of access to books. Um, so yeah, it's pretty much uh, libraries and, and just writing stories um, in every spare moment I could. What I really want to know is most of your work is horror, sci-fi. I kind of want to know, like, what was your gravitational pull towards those sort of genres? Like, what you were exposed to as like a child that made you wanted to really write those um, different I'm, genres? I don't really know, because I, I, I remember my very first year at primary school, um, there was a thing we had every week called story time, where we'd have to sit and write write a story and everyone would just draw a house you know the way kids draw a house with the, the smoke coming out the chimney and, and people waving mm. um and then they'd write this is a house underneath <laughs> and we would do that every week and i remember getting really bored with that and thinking that's that's not a story that's just drawing a house so i got really bored and then i would start drawing the houses all on fire um or planes crashing into them um i don't know where i, I honestly don't know where i was getting all that from I, I think i just wanted to liven things up um and then i would start I didn't bother drawing the houses anymore. I would just fill the page with a with an actual story about a house on fire or something. So it's just it's always something that I've that I've been interested in in just the big dramatic explosive um, crazy stuff. Um, yeah, but I've I've always I've always liked scary things growing up. Um, even things that I that I was too scared to watch, I would I would get really frightened. Um, and then my mum would have to explain that it was just it was just actors pretending and there was a script and that they weren't actually dead and that when they stopped filming they would all get up and laugh and have a cup of tea and and she, and she kept saying you know you should if if it's that scary you shouldn't watch it and I was like no I, I really want to watch it I have to see it I have to, have to know what happens and and a yeah. lot of it was Doctor Who I would sit and watch Doctor Who that was my favourite thing and the episode would end and my mum would want to change the channel to get to watch her next show. I would always make sure that I watched all of the end credits to see all who all the names were and what the jobs were um, every single week. And she was like, it's not, it's not going to be any different this week to last week, but I have to watch all the credits. I, d I don't know why. Um, so it's, so I was clearly latching onto to that as a, as a form of storytelling. And I clearly, I must've understood somehow that these people actually made the show and somewhere in there, there was somebody writing the story. I think it's interesting that you say that you're uh, interested in Doctor Who. I think even people nowadays are really inspired by Doctor Who. It was the benchmark sci-fi programme back then, and I think it had a lot of stakes to it, and I think a lot of adults now even still enjoy it, and I think that's such an interesting thing that um, made it inspired you as well, and then eventually yeah. you go on to write for Doctor Who. Um, well, it's, I mean, it sounds, sounds like a cliche, but it was true. It was literally a dream come true. It was something I've been dreaming about since I was a kid. And then my second TV job is to write on the show that I've always wanted to write for forever. So, I mean, at, at, at first it was really, really exciting. And then once I sat down to start writing, it was, it was really intimidating because at first I thought, I know the show inside out. This will be easy. It'll be so much fun. And I sat down to write it and my brain just kind of melted because I've just, it's, it's so important to me and I've been watching it for so long that the, I got to the very first page and I, I was stuck on the first page for like for most of the first day it was a Monday and I, I just couldn't couldn't write anything down because I was trying to figure out what what the first line that the doctor says is and it's not not that it was the first line it was just the first line I had typed for him at the time 
and and I'd seen I'd seen the show. I'd seen I knew how David Tennant spoke and how he how he delivered lines. So that should have been easier. But in my head, I was like, no, it's it's the doctor. The doctor's a real person. So anything I make up, it's not going to be right because the doctor's real and the doctor wouldn't say that because I've just said that. So it doesn't it doesn't work. So that so that was my brain doing all that. And then and then my brain was kind of going right. But you also have to make sure it sounds a little bit like every other doctor actor that there's been in the past. So you've got to get a bit of your, your childhood Tom Baker in as well. Um, and then I was, and then I was stuck on if when you write the, the scripts, there's you, you put interior or exterior and then, the, and then the, the location. And then if it's day or night and my first thing was in space and I was like, is that inside or outside? And I was like, is it, is it day or night? It's, it's not, it's, it's space. Um, so it's, so all that was just kind of jumbling up in my head and I just, yeah, the, the, fir the first day I didn't get anything really much done. Um, and then the next day I just kind of went, right, I'm just going to start. I'm not going to worry about what the beginning is. I'm just going to start sort of rolling with it and have them have the doctor and Donna talking and I'll just let them talk. So I let, I let them talk for about five pages until I just kind of got used to the fact that I was typing their dialogue. And then I then I just carried on with the story, and I chopped out most of that that early stuff. But yeah, it was it was not as easy as I thought. <laughs> Your episode was at Fires of Pompeii, and I think I remember as a kid watching that show. What I really wanted to know is, especially with Doctor Who, in that what sort of the protocol with like letting them use the certain characters? Are they quite protective, or did you were you allowed to give them free reign of write whatever you wanted? Yeah, I mean they. Obviously, they have they have a plan for this for the for each particular season, um, <clears throat> but for that one, all they had was we want to do a Pompeii episode and do a big special effects thing, uh, and they've been planning it for for a couple of years, and they'd finally figured out a way that they could shoot on these uh, film sets in Rome that were already existing, so that would save money. Um, so they figured out a way of doing it, um, but they didn't have a storyline. They just knew that. They wanted to have some sort of fire monsters and they didn't know what they were or what they did. They wanted to have a nice family that we would see the story through the family's eyes. Um, and also so they could build the family's villa to save money from the big special effects thing so that they'd shoot X amount of pages in the villa um, and save save the cash on the other stuff. And, and I remember Russell said, I want, I want a, a, a sequence where when it erupts, when the volcano erupts, I want some kind of spaceship inside the eruption to come out with the with the lava. Um, but apart apart from that, and that was that was very sort of minimal. Apart from that, they just kind of said, just just go wild, do whatever you want. We want we want your voice and your your storyline. Um, but obviously, you have to fit into the world. Um, but even even then, they they kind of they didn't want you to worry too much about that because Russell always did a rewrite on everything. Um, anyway, so. If I, you know, if, if anything hadn't sounded right, he would have he would have fixed it. So they just they kind of they kind of let you do your own thing, but but you know that they're not going to let you fail. They're not going to let you mess it up. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what was it like with Russell T. Davis uh, reading your script? I'm guessing that's a lot of pressure, considering how long and influential he's been, um, not just in Doctor Who, but it was sort of sci-fi history, essentially. It was. Um... Well, at first it was exciting because I'd, I'd, I'd been working on Torchwood before that. Um, so all I knew was he was this lovely, funny, jolly um, 
very clever man who would give brilliant notes and stuff but I hadn't hadn't worked that closely with him on Torchwood because there was a separate showrunner and script editor on that so I'd only met him a few times but then on Doctor Who it was very much he was very much across everything so I, I was working very closely with him um, and I thought oh this will be good fun this will be good fun and then the first big script meeting I had with him um, he it's going to sound bad but it wasn't um, I'd kind of gone I'd kind of gone a bit wrong with that first script and he kind of verbally ripped it to pieces in front of me just like went through it just like God. just like but but like laughing as he did it and making me laugh yeah so so that I didn't feel bad about it so it was just like pointing out everything I'd done wrong everything that I could I could do better uh, things that I'd missed way things that should come out um questions uh, things that weren't clear but he did it in such a funny way that you get to the end of it and you've had your script completely ripped to pieces, but you've laughed for an hour mm. and you feel really excited about doing the next draft. You go, oh, great. Now I, I can fix all those things now. I, I know what I know what to do. I know what I have to do. So it's kind of, it was kind of terrifying and, and, and hilarious. Um, like there's, there's, there's nothing scarier. <laughs> the best writers always have the best editors, I feel. And I think even making them Doctor Who, that's still sort of in place, which I think is really positive. Yeah, and, and I think the other good thing about it is that because he's a, he's a writer as well, it's a writer giving a writer notes and feedback. So there's no kind of, you know, a lot, a lot of people try and sort of wrap, they, they wrap the criticism in two nice things. Um, yeah. Um, but, that, so that, but there was none of that. He would just kind of, he would just be really blunt. But you know, not not in a nasty way. He would just be. He would just. Mm. He knew how. He knew how to talk to writers because he was he was a writer. So he knew all yeah. the little tricks yeah. that you would do, and the little if you couldn't figure out a plot, you would kind of cover it a little bit, and nobody else would notice, but another writer would. Uh, there was one one moment in particular where <clears throat> he he picked. I can't even remember what, what line it was. He picked out on a on a line or a plot thing, and. He said, "That's a bit of a that's a bit of a lazy placeholder, isn't it? You, were you were you were you tired when you wrote that? Was it like one or two in the morning?" And I just looked at him and I was like, "It was half one in the morning. How how did you know that?" He said, "Because I've done that. I do. I've done that myself." So there was you couldn't you couldn't hide from him at all, which was great because mm -hmm. you know you you always pick up some bad habits when when you write uh, things. Yeah. So yeah, even you, I've you done just... that. Like I remember literally a few weeks ago, I I was writing something. And it was like 3 a.m. And it was like, there's no way I should be up at this time. I went to bed. No. And then without thinking the next day, I sent off whatever I was writing. And then it was like, I didn't even read through it. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then it's it sort of, I get the point where it's for me a lot of the time is I'll try and refine it as much as I can because I don't want my, uh, when I get the feedback to be, oh, that was 1 a.m., that was 2 a.m. But it happened, it happens to the most writers. And I think, um, it is the most difficult thing to sort of um, <laughs> stop yourself from saying, okay, I I'm probably past the point where I'm at my best at the moment. I need to stop and then uh, come back at it tomorrow. Uh, so I think that's really important. Value your sleep, that's one thing I would say to a lot of writers. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's, I've been saying this a lot during this whole lockdown. It's just that you've just, you've got to listen to your body and your brain. And sometimes your body and your brain is just going, I'm done today. I'm done. Just let it just just let it happen. Just step away. Um, 
actually at university yeah, i read it i was reading a book about script writing and it said if you do two pages a night three pages a night that's completely okay in within about i said three months or something you'd probably have a full script for a feature film so i think a, a lot of crush and a lot of trying to get paid words out onto paper isn't always the best thing and it will obviously it's going to make you whatever you're making tougher so I think that's one thing I would say for like young writers especially I want to just take a step back because obviously when your first sort of big explosion onto the scene was when you entered a writing competition for the sci-fi channel um and you were on 32 if I'm not if I'm not mistaken is that a daunting thing to have um your work being exposed to the sci-fi channel and it was played in front of Final Destination 2. Do you think it was uh, your project to be seen in front of such a broad audience was daunting for you at first? Was it sort of a natural thing or more exciting for you? Um, it, was, it was really exciting because um, th that was that was part of the deal when, when they announced the competition. So I, so I knew that if I, if I won, then that would happen. So yeah, it, it, was, kind of a, it was kind of a whirlwind so that when, it, when I won, I just kind of, I was just kind of swept along in, in the process and it was all really exciting and I didn't think about any sort of any sort of bad elements of it uh, I was just I was just more excited about about getting something made and that people would see it because I'd been writing for so long and nothing was ever getting made nothing was getting seen and you know you, you tell you you write stories because you want people to hear those stories and see those stories so I think it wasn't until there was one one uh, once I went to a few screenings. There was Final Destination Two and The Born Identity, and I went I went to a couple of screenings. And the first one I went to with a few friends, and we sat down. And I was so excited, and it wasn't until about two minutes before it started, I suddenly I suddenly got really nervous, and I went, Oh my God, what if what if everyone in the cinema hates it and they just start complaining and walk out, and and then somehow they'll know it's me, they'll know it's me, they'll look at yeah. me, and they'll know it's me just by my face. Um, and that's that's something that happens every single time. Every time I'm excited, even now I get really excited, and then just before it starts, I go, "Oh God, what if they hate it? Oh my God, what? Why did? I, why have? Why? Why did I? Why did I give the okay to this? I should have. I should have kept working on it. I should have finished it." Um, and then it's it's usually fine. Um, but yeah, there's there's always always that moment just before the start, because um, you you just you kind of feel you feel exposed in in a weird way. It's like especially when when something's on telly that that you've that you've written and you know that everyone watching that show is watching it right now at the same time and it does feel in a weird way that everyone's looking at you strangely because yeah. they are a lot of the film industry and a lot of sort of any creative sort of space a lot of people are very they're stopped by fear they won't make something because you think it's, it's that one barrier that a lot of people have where it stops them from releasing something where, oh, people might criticize it, people might, you know, they might hate me for it, they might think it's a personal thing. And I think that's one thing that I've seen a lot of people who want to do the same thing as me, who do want to do different things, but it's similar. Uh, I, I, it's a thing that I've seen common more than ever. So um, I think it's uh, a lot of young people need to sort of focus on making things and then just not care about what people say afterwards. And like you said, um, it was lucky enough for you where the, the third sort of thing kicked in two minutes before because then there's no yeah. going back and God knows how many even before and after how many screenings and I've, obviously um, I think for you being a writer uh, and then going into direction that shows how you wanted to make your own 
things reality and I think that's really commendable I think not a lot of people will diversify which I think is quite special well that just that just makes it even more scary because when you release something that you've directed as well as written you're even more responsible if they don't like it yeah. whereas if they hate it and you just you just wrote it you go oh well you, I, the director messed it up it's not my fault yeah yeah <laughs> I, I can't watch my own films back now to be honest uh, even my most recent film I'll, I'll, in my head, I'll be like, oh, I loved it so much. I loved making it. I thought it was great. And then it's now looking back at it, I'm like, oh, well, that shot shouldn't have stayed on for too long or whatever. Every time I make a new project, I'll say, oh, I'll watch this back a thousand times and still like it. Within about a week, I'll hate it. I think, do you get, do you um, have sort of the same trouble looking at your own work or are you sort of, um, do you look on it more positively than most people tend to do? Um, I, I try to look at it positively because I'm I'm just so glad that it got made and and especially when it's when it's something that so many other people worked on I'm just I'm so appreciative of the work they've put in so I kind of I kind of appreciate you know if, if I've written something and I, and I watch it I appreciate the acting and the special effects and the music and, and everything else so I, I can enjoy it on that level I, I know you know I'd understand if it's something that you've made yourself and you've and you've done pretty much everything yourself it's it's probably harder to to kind of disconnect in that way but i i can enjoy i, I can still laugh at the jokes in in things i've written from 10 years ago because the actor is delivering it in a really funny way mm. so and that's not me laughing at my joke that's in my head that's me laughing at the actor doing doing the joke in, in, a, in a really funny way um so yeah so I, I do enjoy it but obviously i do i do see the things that i could have done better or I think oh I could have I could have I just thought of a funnier line for that or I've just thought of a better way of making that ending work um but you you know people people watching it don't they don't see that they just they just see it and enjoy it they don't they don't realize all the different versions that existed they never they never see your first draft and they, and they never will yeah so you have to just kind of at a certain point go do you know what it is what it is people enjoy it and that's fine and people people will hate it as well whatever you do somebody out there someone out there is waiting to find it because that person is going to hate it more than anything else it's going to be their, their least favorite thing in the world and they might they'll probably start a website about how much they hate it um but that's it's just personal taste you can't please everyone you literally yeah. cannot um so i i'll always tell people just go on the imdb and look at every film that gets one star um or just look up your favorite film on, on the like look up an amazing film like Jaws or The Godfather or something and look at the one star reviews for that and see how see how many people hate those films and and they're completely right to hate them because because it's not their personal taste and that's totally fine so you know I, I just think if people hate those films then it's okay if they hate mine because I'm not making Jaws or The Godfather here. For the podcast I asked if you would had any sort of form of media, whether it be a film, book, music, album, anything like that, that either inspired a project or, a, or your pursuit in the arts. Um, do you have any answer to that? Yes. Um, when I when I had, when I made the short film, the sci-fi competition short film, I was I was trying to get an agent and trying to sort of get myself in the industry because I I had one thing made and. I could have just left it and gone that I had a great time. Now I go back to my real life, but I thought I have a chance of, of actually getting into the industry here. So I sat down to write a film script and write a TV script. And for some reason, just around that time, it was, um, 
there was a song, uh, uh, Eminem had done a song called Lose Yourself from the Eight Mile soundtrack. And it was all about, you know, taking your shot and, you know, putting your mind to something and being, being, making a success of yourself and putting the work in. And, and it just, it just really struck a chord with me because I, I, that's what I was trying to do at that moment. And it really made me kind of feel, yes, I can do this. This is, this is what I'm going to do. So I literally, for, for about three or four months, I played nothing but that song over and over and over again. So that whenever I was tired and I had to get back to the script and, and I didn't know, I didn't want to continue, I'd put my headphones on, put the song on really loud and just sort of get angry and kind of go, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Um, which is, it's weird. It's like people don't expect to hear that. Um, but it's, it, it, it really helped and it helped sort of push me forward. You know, if you, if you, if you don't want to, if you're feeling lazy and you don't want to get on with your script, if Eminem is shouting at you to get on with it and swearing at you, <laughs> then uh, yeah, it, it pushes you on a little bit. I still put it on now sometimes if, if I want a little boost just to kind of keep me going. All the questions I have. Thank you so much for taking some time out to talk. Um, I really enjoyed it. No worries. Thank you very much. To recap, overcoming your fears to show your work is simply many of his experience, but it's a crucial step towards getting noticed in the industry. Taking time to rest and write with a clear mind is key to making your work the best it can be. I'd like to thank James for his time to talk on our first episode and the valuable advice he shared today. For more interviews with great stories and advice, subscribe to the Getting Started podcast on all major streaming services. I'm Samadi, thanks for listening.